All right. All right. Church, say amen. amen. All right. Grab your Bible. We're going to go back to the book of Joshua. That's where we stopped last time. Remain standing. Grab your Bible. Turn to Joshua chapter number 6. Joshua chapter number 6. We're going to conquer Jericho tonight. How about that? Say amen. Joshua chapter number 6. Joshua chapter number 6. Uh, if you're in the wings, if you're in the wings, where slide a little bit this way where I can see y'all. There you go. There you go. Slide just a little bit. That. That's some of my people back there in the very back. Brandy, y'all slide that way some so I can see y'all. I'm looking around the hay. Y'all look better where I can see you. There we go. All right. All right. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? How many of y'all know that God has a plan for your life? God has a plan. And that plan always results in Him getting glory. Sometimes we think the plan is all about us. Because I've heard the preaching that goes that way, preaching, he's like, oh, God favors me, and, and God's going to give me this and give me that, and I have that. Now, that's, that's, that's okay to, to, to understand that God will bless you, and God does favor his people and all that. But you've got to understand, everything God does, it's always for his purpose. And it's always pointing back to him. So as we see that, and as we read that and study that, keep that in mind. Everything is for the glory of God. God's plan, God's ultimate plan of salvation, the whole, this whole thing of life that we have, uh, the, the, from the time we're born to the time we die, it's always for the purpose of bringing Him glory. Now, if that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, we're going to go into this study. Most of you remember, uh, we, have, we have pre-battle plans. We have times where, uh, just as a review, he had, where he spent time with God in, in a quiet time, if you will, uh, private time with God. You always need private time with God if you're going to have a public ministry. Amen? The, the time you spend with him for that. Now we're ready for the battle. He's given them instructions. So let's go into uh, Joshua 6 and verse number 1. All right? If you found your place, say amen. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Oh, see, y'all done forgot. It's been so long. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, look, look. We go all the way back to Joshua 1 and look at the promises. He told him in the very beginning of, of, of the book, in the very beginning of this study, I'm going to give it all to you. So he has a promise. Now he's reassuring Joshua and saying, See. Come on. See. See, what I told you is true. Now how many times do we need God to do that for us? Now think about that. We, God has done so many things for us. He has shown us his promises. They've come to pass. But sometimes we still struggle with fear and doubt, don't we? Sometimes we just need God to go, See, See what I've done? Look what's happened. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, 
Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns passed on before the Lord, and blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the rearward came after the ark, the priests going on, blowing with the trumpets. Now read this with me. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. Talk about a test. Keep your mouth shut, he's saying. All right, that's very significant. So the ark of the Lord came or compassed the city going about at once. They came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them. But the rearward came after the ark of the Lord, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp, so they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass as the seventh time when the, uh, the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord, uh, only Rahab harlot, the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that, were, that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves a curse. When ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse, and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels and brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout. The wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city. Every man straight before him and they took the And all God's people said. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege it is to come into your house and, and, and learn your word. Lord, learn something that's going to help us. Learn something that's going to teach us. Learn something that's going to develop us and strengthen us to be better Christians for you. God, we need your presence in this place. Just like they needed to march around that city and to win victory in that day. We need your presence. We have your word. We have an outline. We have a truth to teach. But God, we desperately need the presence of the Holy Spirit to deliver this truth in such a way. That every single person in this room can hear, understand, and comprehend what you'd have them to know today. Please help us. God, not because we deserve it, because we desperately need it. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's go back to chapter, uh, or verses number 1 and 2. And, and we're going to look at some things here today that we're going to find in this story. Obviously, they won the battle. They, they, they find this, uh, and if, you, if you're here for the first time on Wednesday night, let me, let me kind of uh, just bring you up to speed to where we're at here in chapter number 6. Joshua, the book of Joshua, is a book of victory. It's a book of uh, battles. It's a book of uh, winning, and it's a book of losing. It's a book that teaches us how to win. 
It's a book that's about victory. We have victory in Jesus. Amen. Now, in this, some, some people have the mistaken, because of some gospel songs that have been written, uh, you know, like camping in Canaan's land and different things like that over in Canaan, and they compare heaven to Canaan, and, and, and they, they, that, that Canaan is a type of heaven, but it's not. Uh, Canaan is a type of the victorious Christian life because there's no, there's no battles in heaven. Say amen. There's no losing in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no disobedience in heaven. This is a type. This is a type of the victorious Christian life. So as we go through this book, we will see things that's going to help us because we are, we are, we are in a battle. We're in a war. Uh, we are in the middle of a fight between good and evil. There has, been a, there has been a fight from the beginning of time with God and sin, God and evil, good and evil, and we are participants. We are here to observe what God is doing in this thing. Now, God has many promises. Three things that I have really seen over and over and over and over. One is God's promise, and you don't have to write it down. You can if you want to, but, but it always starts with God's promise. It always starts with God's promise. Everything starts with God. We wasn't looking for God. He came looking for us. Amen. Everything begins with him. It began with this. I'm going to give you this. He came to the nation of Israel when they were in uh, bondage in Egypt. He delivered them and gave them a promise. I'm going to take you to a land uh, that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you wells that you didn't dig. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless them that bless you, and I'm going to curse them that curse you. And so we, we, we begin with the promises of God. But then we find a plan. We find a plan. Uh, God says, not only am I going to do this, this is how you're going to do it. Now, here's, here's, where, here's where sometimes we get the, the train off the tracks a little bit. Sometimes we, we, we rest on God's promises, and we believe that God has promises for us, and we believe that God has blessings for us, and we believe that God said he would do this and he would do that for us, but then we try to manipulate it and manufacture the blessing or manufacture the victory with our own intelligence and our own ability. We try to get done what we want in our own way. We do that when it comes to relationships. We do that when it comes to problems, when it comes to issues, when it comes to needs. Now, let me, for instance, how many of y'all have had a situation arise in your life? Maybe it was a bill. Maybe it was a, I just like finances is always a, 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 a deal. So let's just use that. A bill came that you, it maybe hit you out of the blue. You didn't realize it. And you started freaking out. How am I going to pay this? Right? Now, and then you tried to figure out how you was going to do it. Okay, if I sell two children and rent one out, Amen. If I work extra hours or if I get, if I, and here we're stressing out. When God's given us a promise, hello, I, I know I'm not the only one that does this. Come on. How about relationships? Issues come up in relationships and then we try to figure out how to fix the other person. You know, rarely do we ever try to fix our own self, but we try to. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, we had a situation come up uh, in the church, you know, that, that we as a staff was, was trying to deal with <clears throat> a little conflict, a little problem. And uh, most of the time, it, it's not that big a deal. Uh, we, we'll get together on Tuesday. Every Tuesday morning, the staff meets, 
and uh, we'll spend several hours, you know, talking about uh, the, the, the Sunday before, uh, what went right, what went wrong, what we need to fix, what we need to change, what we need to do better, what we need to do different, uh, plans coming ahead. Every, it, it just it varies with all kind of things. If there's a problem that came up, we'll, we'll, we'll try to solve it in there. And, uh, man, y'all have a great team. I'm telling you, God has put together an awesome team. And, and, and so here we are trying to solve this issue. And if you come from the outside and you don't really understand what goes on in that room, uh, uh, you would think we was trying to kill each other. I mean, literally, because I give all of our staff the freedom to speak what they really feel and what they really think. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a rare deal because in most churches or in most corporations or businesses, there's one guy and everybody else is a yes man. Now, that's kind of stupid because then you don't get their best uh, intelligence. How many of y'all know we're all smarter than just one person? Are y'all with me? And so I give them that freedom. I give them that liberty to speak and, and, and tell me what they really think. Tell me what they really feel. And so here we run into a situation where we just couldn't agree. I mean, there was three or four thinking this way and three or four or three thinking this way. And, and, and it was just, and it was just, it got real intense. I mean, for several hours. And this was not just several hours. This was several days. We had table it and said, we'll come back and talk about this again. And, and because we try our very best not to go forward till we're all on board. And, and, and that doesn't mean that every single thing we try or every single thing we do, every single person is, is 100% in agreement that that's what we need to do. But when we come out of that office, we are. Say amen. So here we have this issue. And I, I, I just got to the place, and I don't know whether it was the Holy Spirit or just my own frustration. I said, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray about this up until Friday, and then we're going to come back together, and then we're going to talk about this again. We're going to pray. I mean, really, really pray. God, we've tried it. We've tried to figure it out. We've tried to do it on our own, but we can't. You've got to help us with this. You, gotta, you have got to give us a solution. Guess what happened? The thing that we took days and hours. Are y'all with me? Blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, real emotional issues back and forth with each other. Uh, Brother Buchanan, would you say 30 minutes it was done? What happened? We trusted God's promise, but we tried to manufacture our own plan. Now, here's the problem. There are some things in life that we can figure out on our own. All right? I can figure out how to find my truck in that parking lot. Are y'all with me? I mean, at the very least, I wait till all y'all leave and pick the last one. Say amen. <laughs> there are some things in life you, you, you really don't have to, and I don't want to sound unspiritual, but you don't have to pray about that we can figure out. But guess what? The problem with that is, is we try to do that with everything. We try to do that with every problem. We try to do that with every situation. But God is saying, all through the book of Joshua, there's always a promise, but then God always gives them a, a plan. But then there's something else you're going to see. And I, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I, let me just do it while it's on my mind and my heart. There's His presence. There's His presence. You can have His plan and not have His presence, 
and the plan won't work. I'm telling you, it's really important. His promise, his plan, his presence. And, and, and just so keep that in your mind, keep that in your heart as we go through these things, okay? Now, here's the first thing I want you to see. The significance of his plan. Number one, if you're taking notes, this is, this is in your notes. Number one, the significance of his plan. And I use that word significance for a reason. It's really important that we find his plan for our life. It's really important because everything that we see that you're, you're fixing to write down always points back to him. For instance, number one, or A, I want you to see the significance of the numbers. The significance of the numbers. Write that down. What, what number do you think I'm referring to? Say it again. Seven. Everybody say it. Seven. Seven. Always remember. Do you remember what the preacher do you remember what the preacher preached on Sunday? Wasn't he cool, by the way? Man, he was awesome. He said, when there's a word that's repeated over and over and over again, that's significant. That's important. And what was the word? Is anybody just, I'm testing y'all to see if y'all's paying attention. What was the word Sunday? World. world. Amen? Uh, for God so loved the, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world. Oh, I'm sorry. God sent not his son into the to condemn the, but that the, through him might be saved. So what was the key word? Now watch this. We find it over and over and over again. Seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days, seven times on the seventh day. Are y'all with me? So what's significant about that? What's significant about the key word there, seven? All right? right look at your notes. In this plan... <clears throat> In this plan, the emphasis is on the number seven. We just said it, seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days of marching. The number seven is written clearly into the life of Israel. The Sabbath was celebrated on the seventh day of the week. Seven weeks from Passover is Pentecost. The seventh year is a sabbatical year. After 49 years, which is seven times seven, comes the year of Jubilee. Three of it, and by the way, the year of Jubilee is when, when debt was, was retired. All debt was, in other words, if you was in debt, it was all, it was all gone. Say amen. amen. All slaves were released. All debt was canceled. In other words, it was a fresh start. And that was a time of celebration. It was a time of rejoicing. All right? And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. The Hebrew word translated, uh, uh, or let me, let me back up. Uh, three of Israel's uh, feasts fall in the seventh month. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. In biblical numerology, the number seven represents, come on, it represents completeness or perfection. The Hebrew word translated seven comes from a root that means to be full or to be satisfied. When God finished his work of creation, he rested on the seventh day and sanctified that. Now listen, understand this. God did not rest because he was tired. God rested because he was done. Now y'all didn't get to, as excited as y'all needed to right there. God rested because it was complete. What that meant is there's nothing else that can be added. There's nothing else that can be done. It is complete. Now watch this. Now watch this. This is good. I'm telling you, you're going to think this don't mean anything, but this is great. 
It says this. <clears throat> he rested on the seventh day and sanctified it. And this helped give the number seven its sacred significance. The Jews noted that there were seven promises in God's covenant with Abraham, seven branches on the candlestick in the tabernacle. Anything involving the number seven was especially sacred to them. Now read this with me. It spoke of God's ability to finish whatever he started. Let's read it again. Because I'm going to read it till you get it. It spoke, read it. It spoke of God's ability to finish whatever he started. Let's put some, let's put some New Testament verses with that. Revelation 1.8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Not I was or not I'm going to be. I am. He's present in our past. He's present in our present. He's present in our future. Somebody say amen. amen. Whatever he starts, he's going to finish. You say, what did he start? Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, that work of salvation, that work of sanctification, he began that good work. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 2. Who is he? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And by the way, sitting down means a finished job too. Are y'all with me? The priests never could sit. They had to constantly be moving because their job was never done. But when he offered the final sacrifice, he sat down. He finished it. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one started this whole thing, and he's going to end this whole thing. He's not going to leave us hanging out to dry. He started something in your life, and you may fail. You may make mistakes. You may drop the ball, but thank God your salvation is not up to you. It's up to the one who promised it to you. It's up to him. I'm not, listen, I'm not like the people that was on the outside of the ark trying to hold on. I am safe in the ark of grace. Somebody say amen. He started it. He's going to finish it. You say, preacher, but I've failed and I've made mistakes. He started it and he's going to finish it. Whatever God starts, he finishes it. He says, I'm going to bring you into this land and I'm going to give it to you. Seven means complete. Now, I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Because I make mistakes and I get weary. And I get tired. And I get frustrated. And I wonder how in the world is all this going to come about. And I wonder what in the world is going to happen next week. But I'll tell you this, the sun's going to come up again. I tell you this, he's still on the throne. I don't know who will be in the White House, but I know who's in the Lord's house. Say amen. He's going to finish it. He started it a long time ago. He started it in Genesis. In the beginning, in the beginning, Yes, sir. And he's going to finish it. Somebody say amen. You see why that number's important? Seven priests. Seven trumpets. Seven times around. He's making a point. He's trying to emphasize to those people, listen, it will be done. You can bank on his promises. And all God's people say it. All right, we see the significance of the number. But then look at this. 
Look at the significance of the instrument. This is really cool. Look what it says. It says in verse number 4, And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. Seven trumpets of ram's horns. Now let's read our notes. The Jews used two different kinds of trumpets, those made of silver and those made of ram's horns. The silver trumpets were used especially by the priests to signal the camp when something important was happening. In other words, we're fixing to move, or we're halting, or an announcement being made. Uh, especially like this, an announcement that war is declared. Y'all with me? Anything that had to do with that. Now watch. The ram's horns were used primarily for what? But, but preacher, I, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought we was fixing to go into battle. We, yeah. Well, what? What? Think about it. Watch, watch this. The common Hebrew word for trumpet is shofar. For the ram's horn is jobel, which is the root word jubilee. The year of jubilee, remember I said we'd come back to that? The year of jubilee was the 50th year after seven sabbaticals. Remember, there was that seven times seven, which is 49, on the 50th year. That was when everything was set free, right? Freedom, liberty, out of debt. Amen. Now, some of y'all have been in debt so long, you can't even appreciate that. <clears throat> now watch, now watch. This was a special time of celebration. The priests blew the ram's horns to proclaim liberty throughout the land. The priests didn't use the silver trumpets in this event because Israel was not declaring war on Jericho. For there was no war. Not for them anyway. The battle is... Are y'all getting it? You will by the second point. The Jews were announcing the arrival of the year of Jubilee for Israel in their new land. God's people today can march in triumphal procession because of the victory of Jesus Christ over all the enemies of God. Now, read this last line with me. Please read it with me in real, real loud like you believe what you're reading. We should be... What is, the, what is the whole point of this, what we just read? It's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of attitude. How many of y'all know that a very confident team is hard to beat? How many of y'all, you know, a, a team that is scared is easy to beat? Think about that a minute. A lot, of, a lot of teams, a lot of teams lose the game before they ever step on the field. There is an intimidation factor. Listen, this applies in any sport there is. This applies, hey, this applies in car racing. How many of y'all remember a man by the name of Dale Earnhardt? Number three, a black car. He was called the... And he was hated if you're a Ford person. 
you were right with the Lord, you didn't like him. Say, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He was intimidated. When they saw him coming, hey, how about this? In, in his day, I know it's not his day now, but in his day, Tiger Woods, when they saw his name coming up that leaderboard, they just lost it. If you follow golf any whatsoever, if you like golf, if you ever watch golf, you would see people that were leading, and he was way behind. But if he ever started coming, they started falling as they seen him coming. What was he doing? He was intimidating them. It was a matter of their attitude, their mentality. And what is this, what is this right here teaching us? That we should not go into our life with a loser mentality. We are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We've already won. God has given us victory. That's why he told him before they even said, he said, come on, people, help me. God said, look at them. They're hiding behind the walls. Look at them. They're scared to death. Look at them. They're shivering in their shoes. I've already given it to you. You know what we need to do? We need to walk out those doors, and when the devil tells us we're going to fail, when the devil tells us we're going to fall, when the devil tells us we're going to make it, you need to look him dead in the face and say, you're a liar because I'm already a winner. The day that Jesus died on the cross, you was done, buddy. We are winners. If you go out and think you're going to fail all the time, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fail. Don't walk around hoping. I, I, I probably used two wrong of illustrations, but it's just what comes to my mind. And that's scary sometimes, amen? How many of y'all ever seen that movie uh, uh, that Tom Selleck was in when he was a baseball player? I don't even remember what it was called. Anybody remember what that was called? Where they, where, what was it? Mr. Baseball, when they traded him to Japan or whatever. How many of y'all remember that? Go rent it. That's your homework. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. There was one part in that. This guy, he was an American baseball player. He's like big time, but he lost it. He lost his mojo. That thing, that it, whatever he had. So they traded him, it's all a money thing, they traded him to a team in Japan. Because there was a coach there that thought he still had what he had. He could help him get it back. Are y'all with me? And so he goes through, you know, this almost like this rocky thing, this training and all this stuff he's making him do. And there's, there, what he does, he takes him to a golf driving range. A golf driving range. And he's making him hit. He's sitting there hitting and he's tossing balls up to him, tossing golf balls, and he's hitting golf balls. He's hitting golf balls. He's hitting golf balls. And he, he gets to the point that he gets so frustrated that he's tired. He wants to hit a baseball. And so he's going with it back and forth. And he's arguing. He's, and, 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 and this, uh, you know, guru here who's trying to get him uh, his, his mojo back. And, and he said, what's your problem? He says, I want to hit a baseball. I said, what are you getting at? You see, what had happened is when he began to lose his it, he would walk to the plate, and instead of like he did his whole life, I want to hit this ball. I want to hit a home run. I want to knock it out of the park. I want to hit this ball. That he started going to the box and standing over the plate and not saying, 
I want to hit the ball, he was saying, I don't want to miss. I don't want to strike out. I don't want to miss. You see the difference? And when he finally got him to the point that he changed his attitude, that he didn't go to the plate saying, I don't want to miss, that he said, I want to hit that ball again. See, this is the point. God says, blow that trumpet of celebration. Because I want you to understand, you're already a winner. When you go out into this world knowing you've already won, that he's already a defeated foe, that you walk out with your head high, and you walk out with confidence, and you walk out knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, there ain't nothing can bring you down. Man, you're, vic- you're, you're a victor. We're in Christ. Amen. You see, the very instrument they blew was significant because it was telling them, you're already a winner. You're not blowing the silver trumpet declaring war because the battle's mine. All you got to do is go take and celebrate what I've already done. And all God's people say it. All right? Write this down. We see the significance in, what I say, A? We see the significance in the... In the number, B, the significance in the, in the instrument. Then, then C, write this down. See the significance in the personnel. The significance in the personnel. Look what he says. <clears throat> Let's see. Let me find it again. Okay, verse 6. Verse 6. When you get there, say amen. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the... He called the the priest. Joshua's first. He shared the Lord's plan with the. Now watch this. It was important that the ark of the Lord be in its proper place, for it represented the presence of the Lord with His people. When Israel crossed the river, the account mentions the ark sixteen times, and here in this chapter, the ark is mentioned eight times. Israel could march and the priests could blow the trumpets until they dropped from weariness, blue in the face. But if the Lord wasn't with them, there would be no victory. Now watch this. Read it with me. When we accept God's plan. Everybody read it. When we accept God's plan, we invite God's presence and, and, and guarantees victory. Two things I want you to write down. Number one. Number one, and I've said this over and over and over and over again, and one day we'll get it. The fight we're in is spiritual. The fight that we're in is spiritual. The battle that we have is spiritual. The enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not that jerk at work. Your enemy is not... You fill in the blank. The enemy, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right? We, we wrestle against uh, spiritual beings. We wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against powers. We wrestle against Satan. We wrestle against the culture of this world. We wrestle against our own selves. How many of y'all know the, probably the greatest enemy we have we look at in the mirror every morning? 
This is a spiritual battle. Listen, Jesus came and walked on this earth like we're supposed to. And he began everything. He began his whole ministry with 40 days of fasting and prayer. You know what he knew? This is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue. He told the priest, the fight is not physical. It's spiritual. You say, why, why do you keep saying that over and over and over again? Because when you say you don't have time to pray, or you don't have time to read your Bible, or you don't have time for church, or you don't have time for Bible study, or you don't have time for things that will mature you spiritually, then you don't even understand. You don't even understand what's going on. Let me, let me give you an illustration. I, sh- I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. How many times... How many times have you seen somebody come in, get saved, I mean, just fired up for God, involved in everything, I mean, just, just, just fired up for God? And, and, and maybe they had to miss, miss a, a Bible study on Wednesday, or maybe they had to miss a Sunday service, or, and, and, and maybe, maybe that, that, that one time ended up being a couple times, and then... Then well, they, they just quit this and they, they just slowed down here. And it wasn't very long that they wasn't even coming at all. And then you begin to investigate their life and all hell's breaking loose in their life. Everything's falling apart around them. Having trouble with their kids. Having trouble with their finances. Having trouble with, with every area of their life and they can't figure out why that's one of the saddest things of pastoring is watching what you know is going to be a train wreck because of the direction they're going and the biggest reason is they don't understand that this thing is spiritual not physical the priest went first and they were carrying the ark. Not only, not only does this teach us that the battle is spiritual, but then write, write this down. <clears throat> we have, we have his promises. Say that with me. We, we have them right now. Right now. Every promise in God's Word that's designated to you. You know, I, you, you hear the songs, all the promises in God's Word is mine. That's not true. Because if you're a Gentile, there's some promises to Jews that don't belong to you. So just keep that in your head. You know, when they say that, every promise in the Bible is mine. No, it's not. But those that are declared to us, we have them now. We don't have to do anything to earn them. We don't, have to, we don't have to do anything to say, okay, God, will you give me that? No, he's already promised you. He's already promised you victory. He's already promised you ability. He's already promised you power. He's already promised you strength. Does the Bible not say greater is he that is in you than he's in the world? Do you realize the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead is in you right now? All these promises we have. But watch, but watch. We may have, that means we're in, we're in possession. 
We may have His promises, but we also need His presence. We also need His presence. And I'm going to make a point here. You're going to think, oh, this is just, all that means the same thing. No, it doesn't. And I'll prove it. I'll prove it. Can you all write that down? Then look up at me. Where do we find, where do we find the first promises to Joshua? Not a hard question. It's not a trick question either. Where do we find the key word? First. Where do we find the first promises to Joshua? In the first chapter. Very good. Right? Let's see if we can remember the promise. Look, he says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon have I given you. Didn't he say that? No man shall stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Isn't that what he said? So, so Joshua had his... Come on, people. Joshua had his promise, right? When he went into Jericho... When he went into Jericho and was completely obedient to the, the plan that God had given him, they didn't march seven or, or 17 times, they marched seven times. They did it seven days. They shouted when God said to shout. They did it according to God's plan. They were obedient unto God, right? And because of that, God's presence was with them. Their voice was not so loud, them walls fell down. They was not one of the X-Men, say amen. They did not have supernatural powers. What made the walls fall down? God's presence. God's hand. God's touch. God's breath blew the walls down. Y'all with me? Now watch. They had the promise in chapter 1, right? Watch this. What happened in the next chapter? I hope y'all have read ahead. In the next chapter, in the city of Ai, which was a very small, insignificant city, they went in to fight and conquer it. What happened? They got whooped. They failed. They were defeated. You know why? God wasn't with them. Let this sink in a minute. I got plenty of time. Y'all just hang tight. Let that sink in a minute. He said, I, I'm going I'm to give you everything. I have given you this. Not I'm going to. I have given it. It's already yours. You just got to go in and claim it. Don't y'all remember every time that God told Joshua what to do and Joshua did what God told him to do, they won, right? But he did not get God's plan for I. Uh-oh. And because he did not get God's plan for I, even though he had the promise, he didn't get God's plan, because if it had stopped long enough to get God's plan, God would have said, hey, you got some problems. And you need to, you need to deal with Achan, right? 
How do we know that? Because in the next chapter we find out that that was God told them to do after they got defeated. And all Joshua had done was ask him to begin with. So he went around God's plan, made his own plan, and trusted man's plan. My, my, my. I don't want to get ahead of myself in that next chapter, but because they trusted in man's plan, they did not go by God's plan. And because they did not go by God's plan, they did not have God's presence. All right. What's the point? This is the point. We can all get jacked up and excited in this building right here and all, woo, man, we've got victory. We're going to go out of here with an attitude of, 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 of victory and an attitude of conquerors. And we're, we're more than conquerors. And y'all go be stupid and have sin in your life and not have God's presence. And I don't care what your attitude is and I don't care what promise you have, you're going to get the snot beat out of you. Because you can have his promise, but not have his presence, and you're going to get the devil beat out of you. Let me, let me, let's, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. You don't have to go there, I'll quote it, but you can trust me, or you can go there, it don't matter. In 1 John chapter 1, he says, these things that we've spoken unto you, that our, you may have fellowship with us. He says, our fellowship was with the Father. We want you to have fellowship with us. And he says this, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Right? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Amen? So what's the point? It's not enough just to have his promise. You need his presence. So you need to spend some time with him. You need to communicate. You need to have a relationship. You need to talk to him. And let me say this. In that communication, you need to let him talk to you. Most, most Christians' communication with God, their prayer life is a one-way thing. Y'all with me? It's one way. We tell him everything we need. Oh, God, this. Oh, God, that. Oh, God, I need. Oh, God, will you do? Oh, God. It's not, God, what wilt thou have me to do? Do you know that in the first part of God, the Lord's Prayer, and the pattern he gave us to pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's, that's praise. But then what's he say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. What's he saying? Let me do down here what you've already planned up there. That's submission. That's coming to God and say, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? So basically, we could say this, right? That's getting, that's getting God's... See if y'all are catching this. When you say, thy will be done, you're, you're asking for God's plan... Thank you, Jesus. Five of them get it. Because, see, if you get God's plan and you're obedient to God's plan, you will have God's what? Presence. See, this is not real rocket science, is it? This is not too complicated, is it? 
Lord, please let that be thunder in Jesus' name. Please don't let that be the kids in there rocking out. Let it be thunder, Lord. Please, Jesus. Was that thunder? No, it was just good bass system, I guess. I don't know. Is this supposed to rain? We need to pray, guys. We need to get on God's plan. God is in your plan to rain. We need to rain. Amen. Now think about this. All right, all right, let's get back. Y'all quit being silly. <clears throat> let's quit. Let's quit doing this. Let's see how I word this. Here's what we got to do. We got to quit using, man, I hate to say it like this, but because it is kind of that way, we got to quit using our Wednesday night sessions as pep rallies. And just, just rah, rah. And just getting us excited. And getting us emotionally charged. Because, I mean, I, I need to do that. I mean, because I know you've just been through hell all week long and I'm trying to get you encouraged. But if all we ever do is get encouraged and get excited to go back out and do the same thing, it's, we're, ne we're never going to experience victory. But if we come in here and make up our mind, I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen when He speaks. Because I'm telling you, the whole key through the whole book of Joshua is when God said it, Joshua did it, and they won. Every time. And watch this. When they didn't ask God, and there were several times, we're, as we go through this, you're going to find he failed more than one time. And every time he failed, it was because he didn't ask God. He didn't get in on God's plan even though he had God's promise and when he didn't have God's plan he didn't get to experience God's presence and he lost so guys sooner or later we're gonna have to get this we can't just come in here every week and then go out and and just continue our habits out there of no praying no reading our Bible, and just hoping we can hang on to Sunday to get in another pep rally. And then hoping we make it to Wednesday. Now, I'm going to do all I can. I'm not lying. I'll bring in pom-poms and everything. I want to I rile you up. I want to encourage you. I want to, I man, I want to shout and tell you, hey, we are victors. I want you to have a right attitude. I want you to go out of here with, you know, blazing. But if we don't learn to be obedient and get God's plan for our life, we're still going to lose. Y'all with me? All right, good. Look here. <clears throat> we understand by, by putting the priests in their place, number one, the fight is... Whew, number one, the fight is... Number two, we have His promises, but we need His presence. Amen? Why? Because in 1 Samuel 17, 47, 
And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spirit. By the way, this is David and Goliath. For the battle is the All right. Second Chronicles 20, 15. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord of, unto you. And by the way, how do you think he felt as a five-year-old kid knowing his name was Jehoshaphat? Anyway, I don't know why I'm even saying that, but I've always wondered that all my born days. Amen. <clears throat> Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not but... Boy, I hope we can get that. Amen. Number two. Number two. Boy, that was just number one. Number two. We got to hurry. Now, this was kind of a, this is kind of a, number two is kind of a refresher. This is, this is, it's, it's almost, we're just going over again some of the stuff I gave you in the last outline. Uh, so, so this won't take very long. <clears throat> the testing of the people. There was two things that we see. In, in, in this particular chapter with, with the plan, with the plan. Uh, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all know that God's plans are sometimes a little crazy? And you say, well, I, I don't think it's crazy. Uh, if you were Mary and Martha, you would have thought that God's plan for your family was crazy. Because when you sat there and watched your brother gasp for breath, now you got to understand, back in that day when someone died, it was awful. They didn't have drugs to keep you out of pain and, and calm while you, when you struggled for breath, it was a very, it was terrible. It was just a terrible experience and ordeal. And Mary and Martha had to w watch that and experience that. But guess what? That was according to God's He was right on time. They thought he was late because they said it. And both of them said it. If you had been here, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Right? Now, remember what we said in the last lesson? I know it was a long time ago, but we said God's, God's plans usually never make sense. But they always result in him getting the glory. It didn't make sense for a little lad to go fight a man of war that was a man of war from his youth. But it ended up God getting the glory. It didn't make sense that Gideon had to go fight a horde of people with just a handful of men, but it ended up God getting the glory, right? And so here we have this plan. Here we have this plan that it doesn't really make sense to march seven times around the city and don't even, you know, we don't even have to build nothing or, you know, get something to pull them walls. No, march and don't say nothing. Seven days. So there's really two things in, in, in the plan. And by the way, by the way, God's plan for us is usually testing us too. Because here's the thing. There's two things God's really after. Several things, but two main things. The main thing is Him getting glory. But the second is you becoming like Christ. You can trace everything that God's ever allowed you to go through and everything God's planned for your life, whether it was a difficulty, whether it was a tragedy, whether it was an up or a down, a good or a bad. Every single thing in your life was for the purpose of Him getting glory out of it and you becoming more like Christ. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight and 29, right? 
For all, hey, say it with me, for all things work to the good, right? To the good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. What was his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. What does that mean? God allows good things in your life. God allows bad things in your life. God allows sad things in your life. God allows happy things in your life. God allows easy things in your life. God allows hard things in your life. God allows all these things to conform you to the image of His Son. God will allow things, tough things, like tribulation, hard things, to develop patience in your life. Are y'all with me? Tribulation worketh. Who was more patient than the Lord Jesus Christ? What's the point? Every test you go through in life, every plan of God for your life, there will be testing involved because God wants to develop two things. Let's just write these two things down. Seven days, God was developing their patience. I bet you they was chomping at the bit. Come on, let us go. Nope. How many of y'all know the hardest thing to go through sometimes waiting on God. That's Abraham. You young people in here? Listen, you young people in here? When it comes to when it comes to a mate, wait on God. Oh, but he's perfect. No, you don't understand. The devil was pretty. He was an angel of light. He was beautiful. Oh, but preacher, she is just, ooh. Mm. Listen, you'll be like Samson. Get your eyes poked out. Say amen. You better wait on God. Well, I, I, I you know, I, I'm, uh, mm. Say, so what could possibly happen? Well, we could have an Islamic terrorist problem because Abraham didn't wait. Some of y'all are like, if you have no idea what I'm saying, it's time for you to study your Bible. Let me give you some hints. Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael. God said, and he, he, he prophesied that Ishmael's descendants would be a pain in the, to everybody on the planet. Read it. It's there. I'm not making none of this stuff up. Some of y'all think I'm, you know what that's all about? We are in the mess we're in right now with all the junk going on in the Middle East and all these Islamic terrorist crazy people because Abraham didn't wait on God. Listen, God was dealing with them and teaching patience. And sometimes the secret to victory in our life is learning patience. Learning patience. Not only that, ooh, uh, how long has that been zero? Did it just get to be zero? Okay. All right. Man. All right, put, put this over quick. Self-control. Learning when to stop in time. 
self-control. He said, when you march around, don't even open your mouth. How many of y'all know that's hard? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We've got to quit. Let me see. Uh, well, let me hurry. Let me just give you these last ones. Let me just give you these last ones. Uh, the warning of the spoils. Here's what, here's what God said. Here, let, me, let, me, let me give you these, and then I'll explain it. Past instructions. Past instructions, write that down. Present instructions. B, present instructions, and then C, the explanation. Write that down and look at me. Quickly, quickly. Past, present, explanation. How hard is that? Write it down. Look at me. Come on, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. All right. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter number 20, God gave explanations on what to do when you go into battle. Right? What to do after the battle, after you won the battle. He says, when any of the cities around where you're living, any of the cities around where you're living, I want you to totally completely annihilate the people completely why you say well that's kind of terrible god had given them a space of over 400 years to repent and get right and their wickedness was beyond imagination and god was bringing final judgment upon them okay all right completely annihilate them in the cities where they were because God did not want them infecting his people. Because God knows when you compromise, it will cause big issues. And by the way, they did not obey God in this command. And because of that, those nations that they did not annihilate led them astray, by the way. But this is what he said. The cities that are close, you annihilate the people totally. But take the gold and the silver and the, and the animals and the cattle and all that as a spoil. As a spoil of war. That will be your reward for the fight, so forth and so on. Right? Y'all with me? Come on now, stay with me. Okay? But here, when we just read in Joshua chapter number 6, he said, look, don't touch the accursed thing. All the people, all the cattle, all the gold, all the silver. I want you to annihilate the people, I want you to annihilate the cattle, and I want you to put the gold and the silver and the precious things in the treasury of the Lord. You say, well, what, what about Deuteronomy chapter 20? Watch this. Here's the explanation of that. Jericho was the first city in the promised land. Think about that. Jericho was the first city in the promised land. It was the first of many. So what was God saying? The first belongs. It's a type of tithe of the promised land. Or use the words first fruits. Now what's the point? God always wants his first. Now let me give you the verse. Let me give you the verse and we'll pray. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. What's the first word? Come on, everybody. Everybody. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. What is he saying? If you will honor me, I will bless you. Y'all with me? 
And, and Jericho was a type of the first fruits of the promised land. And he said, I want you to honor me with it. What's the point? He says, all of it's mine. I will do what I want with it. God decided what to do with all of that stuff. It was his. It belonged to him. When you give unto the Lord, it's God's to do with it what he sees with it. When you tithe or when you give, listen, you're giving to God. It belongs to him. You're not paying dues to a club. It's God's. It's his. We honor him with that. And when we honor him, he blesses us. And all God's people say it. Lord, help us to practice this stuff in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hurry and go get your kids.